It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement vows that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, but both of us believe in the power of an ice cold beer. Amen. Uh, COVID still here, maybe another wave coming. Uh, your daughters went to school for how many days? Uh, they did. They did go on site school for one day. And then it got shut down. Adios. One day. <laughs> shut, shut it down. I mean, listen, and it may be time to shut it down, but I love it. The Deegan's been talking. I just uh, don't know uh, why. Uh, my kids are finally going back. Yes, They're going back. So and the day they went back, it got shut That's down it. after that. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But so you know what? Certain things have thrived now that we're in a pandemic. And one of them is Netflix. And this episode is inspired. I thought you were going to say toilet paper. Well, yeah. I mean, and Peloton and Grubhub and all those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this episode is inspired by a show that I got hooked on on Netflix. Okay. It's called, well, first, you, you have any shows you've been watching on Netflix? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I've been watching it as much for entertainment as for research. Um, but I did start, uh, Lucifer. Ooh, you've been watching the show about the devil. Yeah. Well, he's actually an angel who's fallen and has come to earth and, oh yeah. um, and he's trying to solve crimes. So we're kind of like brothers. Yeah, because <laughs> you feel like you're a fallen angel. Well, no, but I mean, I, I'm I'm ascended to the right hand of God as according to the Bible, so I'm I'm uh, you know, I'm right up there. I think there's a better chance you trip and fall. The fallen part I could find. <laughs> so my show is Ratchet. Ratchet. Yeah. Do you know what Ratchet's about? Uh, that's a song by Megan the, the Stallion. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. She's Ratchet. Was she also Classy, bougie, ratchet. She really has a song called Ratchet, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, my kids ask Alexa to put on uh, songs all the time, but yeah. luckily WAP hasn't, WAP or WAP Ooh. has not been one yet. Yeah. Um, but this show is a prequel to Nurse Ratchet and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, okay. And it's basically... So she was trying to help people, right? Mm-hmm. In a way? In a way, Nurse Ratchet, at times, especially during this, is trying to help people, but uh, she basically goes to a mental institution, an asylum from around the 1930s to the 1950s, where there is a man there who killed a bunch of priests. Oh. And by chance, it was her brother, and she is there to protect him, while also trying to help patients while also doing not always the right thing. Okay, so is she like there trying to hurt people or well, just protect her, just hurt those that are trying to come after her brother? Like a little bit of both, a little bit know. like all of the above. But basically, her character okay. is based on the book One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. And one of the main things that happens during these. No, no, no. <laughs> you said based in book. Yeah, the book. No, it's a movie. <laughs> it was originally a book by Ken Kesey. 
No, there's a movie. One with... Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't Jack Nicholson in that? Uh, yes, it was inspired by a book. I don't... I, 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 that confuses me. What do you mean? It's a screenplay. So sometimes people read books, uh, Deacon, and then sometimes people are like, wow, this book I is really read, good. We yes, should, we the should, Bible. we should, the Bible. The Bible. And then, <laughs> I love it. I love it. The there religious are lots people. of movies made about the Bible. Yes, I'm, I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are. But in this case, it was a regular book that was considered to be great that then was turned into a movie. All right. I'll yeah. take your word for yeah. it. We'll, dis- we'll agree to disagree. When in Rome. Well, so I'm going to go in the Wayback Channel, and we're going to go back to the early 1900s. And there was basically this guy, Do John ca- Are there cars? Yes, there are cars. In the, in the early 19... 19- okay, so I'm just trying to picture yeah, the yeah. time frame. Well, there- I, I think we're at 1930. Are there phones? Uh, yeah, Alexander Graham Bell, that's the phone is yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Radio, I think... They the were probably would- only at the iPhone 4 at that point. Yeah, Okay. I do, I do love it when I see a patient for like a well check. Yeah. And there's like a 12-year-old, you know, young boy, and he's got a newer iPhone than I do. And I'm like, <laughs> there's something wrong here. Right. But basically, there were some chimpanzees that were acting up. And they removed the frontal lobe of these two chimpanzees. And these chimpanzees, because they were really being, because uh, we do studies on animals. You know that, right? And okay. these two chimpanzees, they were named uh, Lucy and Becky. Okay. And after removing their frontal lobe, they noticed that these chimpanzees were more docile. Okay. And so this, at a neurology conference, was being discussed. And Edgar Moniz from Portugal saw this and was like, huh, this is interesting. Maybe we can help treat some of these psychiatric conditions by trying to damage the frontal lobe. Oh. And what do they call that? Well... Did so, they, so they, I, I heard, did, didn't they start it on dogs first? Well, I mean, chimpanzees. I mean, you've been listening to the part of the podcast so far. So what happened is, okay. Moniz, he was a yeah. socialite. He was a partier. I love his paintings. Nope, nope. That's Monet. This is Moniz. And he had really bad gout. And so he came up with this idea. Again? This is like our third podcast where somebody had gout. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, he decided that he would try to do a leucotomy or a lobotomy. Okay. So a leucotomy initially is damage to the frontal lobe. And so what he did is he actually initially put holes in the side of the brain and injected alcohol into the frontal lobe to try to destroy that tissue. And yes, it did make people more docile. Oh. So that's where the... Uh... The frontal lobotomy came from? Or no? So, yes. But then they realized okay. that we need to find a quicker and easier way to do this. Instead of tapping holes into their skull. I will tell you the sad thing. Okay. Moniz ended up winning the Nobel Prize for having done a lobotomy. Really? Yeah. Then this guy, Walter Freeman, found out about this. You know, he graduated from Yale. He went to UPenn. And... He decided that the lobotomy could be done easier. Okay. The problem was he was a neurologist or psychiatrist who were considering doing this, but it wasn't surgeons. Right. Right. Neurosurgeons would be needed to do a procedure like this, but he wasn't a neurosurgeon. And so he got this other guy, Dr. Watt, 
and he said, hey, I've got this idea. Let's do this. Let's start doing lobotomies. What they're trying to do is destroy the connection between the cerebrum and the thalamus. And what does that do? What do those two things control? Well, the cerebrum is our critical thinking, our personality, our thoughts. And our thalamus does a lot of things. You know, temperature controls some of the autonomic nervous system, but also some of our emotional areas. So he's trying to disconnect the thinking part from the emotional part to take away some of the agitation or anger or hallucinations or anxiety that some of these patients had. Who determined when it was like, Appropriate, like what did you, how bad did you have to be? Well, this is the tricky part. At this point, we really didn't have treatments. Okay. You know, and so people everywhere Xanax, there was no Xanax. (laughs) There was no Xanax. There was no Xanax. And so the problem was they didn't know what to do with some of these patients. Lots of people were put in asylums. If you couldn't take care of someone, if someone couldn't work, they were basically sent away. The problem is still, this was a pretty radical type procedure. But this Walter Freeman decided he needed to be famous. He decided he needed to be shown throughout the world that he was a genius. And he started figuring out that, hey, I can't have a neurosurgeon around. I need to start lobotomizing everyone. Because the neurosurgeon was too ethical? For a little while. And then uh, this Dr. Watt left him and said too much because... yeah. Dr. Freeman decided to do lobotomies while people were still awake. He didn't want to take time to try to, they were actually doing um, electroconvulsive therapy to try to get them out of it. And then at that point, they would lobotomize patients in different ways. So they were doing incisions into the brain and he invented the ice pick lobotomy. That, That doesn't sound good. So you take an ice pick. Yeah. You lay the person back. Through the medial part of the eye. Stop. Near Whoa, your no, nose. no, come on. I'm not going to lay back. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. You're not going to lay back for some random person like Rudy Giuliani? Not for you. It seems like you're trying to put me into position to show me what's happening. So you take the ice pick. Yes. Along the medial part of the eye. Okay, that ice pick is a little bit So close you don't, you're, not gonna, you're not going to actually hurt the eye because you can move the eye to the side, but that's the entrance into the brain. Really? Yeah. And so we angled the ice pick in, and then uh, you shove it back. Okay. And once you get it deep into the brain, you angle it 40 degrees and you try to break the connections from the right and left cerebrum as it attaches back to the midbrain and the thalamus. And he wanted to do that while people were awake? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. His first patient was named, uh, named Alice. And this is when it went from a leucotomy to a lobotomy. Okay. Initially, they had this thing called a leucotome. Yeah. It was like a, a, it wasn't an ice pick because he needed to do lots, right? Yeah. He didn't have time to wait for neurosurgeons. He decided, I'm going to get famous. I'm, I'm going to help all these asylums. Yeah. At one point, he did 228 lobotomies in 12 days. He did a lobotomy on a four-year-old child who was misbehaving. Oh, my gosh. Lobotomies were done way more on women. If that was the case. And you, children. All of my kids would have been lobotomized. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh that because it, it really was a barbaric type procedure. So I should not say my, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. <laughs> I was wondering how long some corny phrase like that would come. <laughs> 11 minutes in, in. I love it. I love it. Yes, yes, you should. And, and the honest truth is lobotomy did make people calmer. 
Okay. It also took away all their original thought. Oh, yeah. It took away all their emotions. It really made them quiet. Oftentimes, people had bleeds and died. Oftentimes, people had infections and died. Um, There were times where afterwards, it was like having a child that you basically had to take care of all the time. Walter Freeman got all this hate. Because not only did it take away, you know, some of the bad stuff, but it took away any decision making or passion or desire to do anything. Destroyed all emotions. He tried to judge on whether this worked as to whether or not people could you know, get themselves dressed, whether or not they could eat. It also blocked your body's ability to tell yourself you should stop eating. Okay. So most all of these patients got morbidly obese. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There is a a, a famous quote that I think that uh, really tells you how scary this is, right? Because a lobotomy makes people unmotivated, takes away all their creativity. You would not be able to podcast after having had a lobotomy. Hmm. The best part is I sent a text to my neighborhood earlier today. It was like, anybody have an ice pick? I want to do a video to show the deacon how to do a lobotomy. <laughs> and the best part is none of them had it. Yeah. And some of the people in the neighborhood are like, hasn't he already had one? <laughs> <laughs> but so the, the quote is, the lobotomy made you free from dark thoughts, but also free from all thoughts. Oh. I think... You know, in religion, they oftentimes, you know, that's um, many times what people associate with those who fall into like cults. Yeah. Right? That, that they're, you know, they fall in line with these thoughts and you erase all other thoughts and just buy into this one concept. And therefore, it's not. If- Are you referring to Catholicism? <laughs> I guess you could consider that a cult. No, I'm just kidding, Father. I just said a Hail Mary. Um, no, I, I think, you know, uh, it's easy to, when you take away the thinking or rationale or, or, or logic, rationale or logic when it comes to faith, it can be easy to like throw away everything else because there's not a, ra- a lot of rationality behind the idea that a man was born of a virgin and he was the son of God, died on a cross, you know, resurrected three days later and ascended to heaven. And because of that, all everyone who believes in him will, will also go to heaven. There's no rationale or logic behind that. Yeah, or that God and Jesus invented the lobotomy because they had a plan for everything. Yeah, in fact, like, like you know, Thomas Jefferson... Um, basically did a lobotomy on the Bible. Mm. You know, he took um, and made the Jefferson Bible um, or, or this, this work that he put together that was uh, called something like uh, the, the, the morale, the story of Jesus of Nazareth, morals and teachings, right? Because he believed, like, if he could take away all of the uh, the supernatural stuff. Do you think Judas should have gotten lobotomized? Do I think Judas should have gotten lobotomized? No, I think Judas okay. did a very human thing, right? I think, you know, he sought a greater position for himself and yeah. felt like the best way to do it. And, you know, 
Judas is probably uh, one of the most famous people ever to walk the earth. Wow. Right? Think about it. I mean, yeah. who, who does not know Judas Iscariot? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think between God, Jesus, and Trumpy, those, yeah. are, those are the most famous ones yeah, right now. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so Thomas Jefferson took, and he, he took a razor, and he cut out parts of the Bible, avoiding all of the supernatural stuff, all the miracles, all these things, and just took Jesus' moral teachings and put them together in a book. Oh, I like that. Humanism. That he said, like, hey, this is... This is a collection of all the things that this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, talked about and taught that I think I can buy into and take the rest of this stuff and put it away. So it's almost like cutting up pieces and putting it together. And I think, you know, in in the faith community, there's a lot of people who don't have original thoughts around different things. And I think that's scary because while I think it's so important that, you know, everybody in the faith community recognizes the Bible as the foundation is the word of God is recognized as the foundation of faith um, in Christianity. Uh, there, there are different interpretations, and I think it's easy to get lost in just being so scholarly to, to follow someone else's interpretation of a scripture or a feeling. When, in fact, we're always taught from the beginning, it's a very personal relationship with Jesus. And I think in order to do that, you have to be open to creating your own thoughts around what this Bible is saying to you and what these words mean to you. Yeah. And, um, and it's scary because I think, you know, we talked about like, that's how, that's how people end up in cults. Yeah. Right. Like Mooney, um, uh, you, you know, there was a, a Chinese cult, um, uh, around this guy Moon and, um, his people would often, chant mantras that they would just chant over and over and over again anytime a thought that was original different than theirs was introduced to them and the chant would bring them back to their foundation so that they could remember what it was that they actually believed in Mm. and to me it's like uh, okay so i do believe in uh in the idea of getting recentered of taking breaths and um you know the bible talks about how often we have to choose in making decisions. Yeah. Right? And and that... Um, Can I tell you something I feel bad about? What's that? The entire time you've been talking, I've been staring at your eyes and trying to see how quickly I could get an ice pack right deep into the back <laughs> of your brain. <laughs> He's like, wow, the doc's making good eye contact. The entire is- time I'm like, if I could shove, I could get an ice pick back up in there and all of a sudden he wouldn't be a believer. We wouldn't Ooh. need much and I would get right in there. That'd be it. I'm just kidding. I'm, tell, me, tell me about Mooney. Yeah, so I, I, you know. But these cults are the opposite of doctors, right? They're all, we're usually pushing back. Yes. And, but in even... You know, in the traditional Christian community, you know, you have people who are creationists and believe in creationism and, and therefore oftentimes reject science altogether because you get to a point where there are questions that you don't have answers to. Yeah. That don't make sense. And so at that they point... I feel like those people don't like science and they also don't like masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but, they, that, but they love them some football. Love me some football. Get her done. And and I think I think it's important that we um, that we press against 
things and ask questions. So there, if you were to say you were at church and your pastor was saying something, would you feel comfortable afterwards using your creativity, using your thoughts and pushing back and being like, I, I don't agree? I'm always challenged. You know, I'm always, uh, I'm actually always reading and always trying to learn more about, um, you know, these these things in faith. I think um, a lot of times there are holes in the scripture in the Bible that don't necessarily um, speak directly to a topic. And, uh, and scholars have, you know, studied it and filled in and interpreted and based it on, you know, that the, the Bible's been interpreted, you know, hundreds and thousands of times into different languages from its original text. And, and I think, you know, when I read it, there are, there are things that say something to me that when I, when I talk to a pastor, and oftentimes I will, I'll talk to my pastor and say, hey, whoa, yeah. whoa, I, I heard what you said. I didn't hear it the same way you said it. And so I want to know if how I heard it wow. also makes sense. Yeah. So, and there are controversial things that I believe, right? So I, I love the- per- as, as medicine, super controversial. And and I think that's what differentiates like you and I from from both from people in our in our respective fields, you know, because as in my approach to to faith and, and and what we bring here isn't always in line with the with you know it's it's definitely in line with the idea that Jesus is the savior. You know, there's the the big the big picture stuff is in line, but. You know, ultimately, I, I believe that God sent us to love people. And so yeah. in a lot of ways where I diverge is different than where other people go when it comes to things like, you know, how, how, do, how do people who are in same-sex relationships um, serve God and love God? And I want them to. And, and how do they find a place in the church and serve in a faith community? And I'm like, let's find a way to make sure that happens because, you know, God, I believe in a God that's so big that he finds a way for stuff like that. And so, I mean, I, I agree. You're right, right? I think in medicine, we know we've been wrong before. It's interesting to hear someone religious to go, hey, there are things that may not be perfect in religion. And I think that as an American, because I love America more than anything, lobotomies at one point were said they weren't allowed in Russia. They weren't allowed in China. And America was still doing them. Yeah. We did up to 40,000 lobotomies. And I know you mentioned Thomas Jefferson. JFK, the president, yeah. his sister, they worried just had issues with maybe an intellectual disability. She got lobotomized. Do you think anybody recently in the news over the past, since November Third has been lobotomized? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Luckily, lobotomy ended in 1952 when a pharmaceutical came, company came out with a medication. Okay. Really, we didn't have any treatment. And so yeah. they were doing this procedure, which we realized was not the right thing. But uh, chlorpromazine came out and then fixed it. Do you remember what episode we discussed chlorpromazine? No. The hiccups. Oh. It actually now is mostly used to treat hiccups, but it was one of the first antipsychotics that was used. But... What we realize is for the doctors out there that were there years ago, yeah. you got to realize there are still people that do the wrong thing. Whether or not you're religious, whether or not you are a doctor, there are people that want 
fame and want to be known. And I know we know of, you know, I mean, Dr. Oz will sell anything for a quick buck. And we know there are some pastors out there that are trying to collect money and do these big things that are on TV and are, you know, in the same sort of way. But you know who has a lot of money? No. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Oh. Yeah, from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So we are going to play the Jack Nicholson game. You ready? Oh, I like Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. So I'm basically, it's a simple game. I'm going to give you three Jack Nicholson movies. Okay. And you're going to rank them from best to worst. Then I'm going to give you three more. Okay. You're going to rank them from best to worst. And then the winner of each category is going to face off each other in the Deacon Showdown. Oh, right. And we will pick the best Jack Nicholson movie ever. I like it. But the problem is I only picked six Jack Nicholson movies. I hope one of them is not as good as it gets. Okay. So the first group. Okay. Grouping number one. Yep. The first movie we have listed. As good as it gets. Okay. (laughs) Number two is Batman. Okay. Which I love. That was right around you know, yeah. when I was growing up. And number three is The Departed. So you're going to rank them from uh, best to worst. Uh, I'm going to go Batman, Departed, and as good as it gets. Wow. I thought Departed had a chance to win it all. But it Batman did. It is did. still up there because his performance yeah. with the Joker was amazing. Okay. Um, now, category number two. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. As good as it gets. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, a Few Good Men. Yeah. The Shining. And Anger Management. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Because in rooms deep down where people don't talk about it. That was uh, that's one of my favorites. Um, uh, you, uh, you didn't even do the You Can't Handle the Truth? Yeah. No, I, I, go, I go to the other part. Because right? okay, everybody okay. knows You Can't Handle the Truth. I'm going to go... Uh, so it was a few good men, and The Shining and anger management. I think, I think I got to go. Uh, the Shining first because it was so different at the time. Yeah, right. And then I think you go a few good men, and then anger management. Okay, in the finale, Batman versus The Shining. I got to go Shining. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I know this is going to be crazy. Yeah. You know The Shining is based on a book. The screenplay. I think you mean screenplay. <laughs> the Shining was a book, my man. Okay. Tomato, tomato. I think that what we've learned here is that if I were to give the deacon a lobotomy, yeah. he would be better behaved. <laughs> I think I would lose all my passion, and I'm so passionate about helping people see that um, that when you love people, you love Jesus, there's room to have great conversations and have original thoughts uh, about how you feel about topics and accept science and work with people and say, man, I, just because we believe something different doesn't mean I'm crazy and doesn't mean we have to fight about it. Let's just, uh, let's have great, healthy conversations. And let's find a way to love one another. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think as a physician, the thing I'm working on the most yeah. is when someone has thoughts that are so different from mine. Yes. Or is not giving me the information I need or doesn't really understand how to give me the information that I need. Like as a physician to try to put them in the best position to help them or someone that has an excuse for every idea that I have, I'm going to stop complaining about things patients say. I'm going to change. <laughs> is that, right? You know, doctors aren't always right, yeah. right? There was someone at one point who thought a lobotomy was a great idea. Yeah. 
Listen, at some point, Paul, one of the most renowned people in the Bible, thought it was a great idea to persecute Christians. And, um, you know, he... Uh, and then he became one of the most uh, pronounced um, people who teaching the faith, going around and teaching people about the gospel. Just like at some point, um, Under Pressure was a great song, right? And then Vanilla Ice came along and he's like, Ice pick, baby. Get it? Ice pick. No, I get it. I get yeah. it. Uh, if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Ice pick your brain and let the doctor evolve it. Wow. Ice pick, baby. Yeah. Come on. Come on. on. Vanilla. Ice pick, baby. Come on. Come on. Under pressure. Uh, that is a really good song, though, too. Well, if you were under pressure, yeah, because you had like, a lot of anxiety. I always like David Bowie. An ice pick would help relax you. Or chloroform. <laughs> Isn't that what you said it was? Chlorpromazine. Oh, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two things you can always count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you to our producer, Tucker Butler. Our beautiful wives. Uh, we love you very much. Music, as always, by your boy. Franchise. You can follow us on Twitter. I mean, we're on all those things. You should yeah. know it by now. Oh, we're on Twitter. We're at Doc Deacon. Instagram, Doc and Deacon. Facebook. You can find us on Spotify. Yeah, Spotify iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Stitcher. find a way, subscribe, listen, pass it on to a friend. Yeah. It's easier to listen to our podcast than it is to get an appointment. Holla. Excellent brain trust to market it, brand this, that's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show gonna be around for infinite years, I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it, often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in, now I'm coming to close it like a Roldish Chapman.